you know, you want people to like you or you want to be perceived as something. So being vulnerable or, or opening yourself up, you're, you're, you're letting people have the chance to maybe fire shots, mm. um, which actually is way stronger than the other. Um, but truly believing that's a whole different thing. Like you hear people say that and you can – people feel comfortable in saying that or, you know, they'll be like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. or they, they, But it's the belief and the actual feeling of being able to do that. Um, is a whole different ball game, I reckon. This episode of the Humans of Agriculture podcast was recorded on Gadigal People's Country of the Eora Nation, and I'd like to extend my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And I'd like to extend those respects to the traditional owners of the country wherever you may be listening to the podcast. You may have heard of Ned Hannigan. If not, he's a professional rugby player. His rugby career has taken him around the world. So far, playing more than 50 games for the Waratahs, 25 games for the Wallabies, the highest honour, and I spent a bit of time playing in Japan as well. But Ned's a bloke from the bush, home is Pasadena, the family property not far from Canamble in New South Wales. Ned, I'm pretty keen today to talk about a few things, footy farming, leadership, lessons that you've had kind of along this journey as a professional athlete, but what's been happening? Yeah, no, thanks for that intro, not used to that. <laughs> nah, thanks for having me. Um... No, nah, not a lot's been happening just of recent. We uh, got knocked out of a quarterfinal two weeks ago with the Tars over there in Hamilton against the Chiefs and um, did a bit of celebrating uh, back here and then the long weekend got back for the Canamble Radio, which was a bit of fun. Didn't uh, find myself on the back of a Bronc, which is good. Um, was coach, that an option? Coach was happy with that. <laughs> I showed him a few videos and he was scratching his head, but uh, no, nah, it's not an option. I'm... Definitely one that's just standing in the sides, on the sides <laughs> and watching that. Um, but yeah, no, things are good. Poke along all right. It was a training run. I saw you dressed up as a bit of a cowboy. You had your big hat and a few other things oh, yeah. on there. What's yeah. the story behind that? Uh, no, nah, just a bit of fun. We had It was our last uh, Leichhardt um, game and uh, the crowds there have been unreal. So uh, the boys get a bit pumped to uh, play at Leichhardt and... NFL and NBA and stuff sort of rock up a bit in, you know, fresh drip and, um, yeah, the call came out, business attire, and I thought, oh, well, um, yeah, put it, put some black leathers on and a cowboy out and go as Rip from Yellowstone, but, um, yeah, no, nah, it's just a bit of fun. Maybe a glimpse of the job you want, not the one you've got. Yeah, that's it, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, no, nah, I'm a big fan of Rip, he's a bit of a lord. <laughs> Absolutely. What's it been like? Coming in back into the Wallaby, uh, Wallabies, into the Waratahs team, you came back only for kind of the back end of the season. Was, is yeah. it weird coming back into a playing group as an outsider? Yeah, um, yeah, it was different. I, I uh, was supposed to be back about round four, but uh, COVID and a few things over in Japan um, delayed my return. But now, nah, look, I was so excited to get back. Watching from afar, the, the Tars have been going a bit better than what they were last year. And, uh, yeah, just excited to be back. There's a few new faces in there that uh, I hadn't met before, knew, you know, not much of. But there's a few blokes there that played a fair bit of footy with. Um, Jakey Gordon and Alex Newsom, a few blokes that have um, been around for a fair while. And, um, yeah, I knew DC, the, the coach, um, and he's, you know... Coaches that came across with him, Paulie Arce is the forwards coach, and I knew him a little bit. And 
yeah, so a few familiar faces, a few new faces, but overall just so excited to be back and getting into it. What's the vibe been like in footy? I'd say from the outside it feels like rugby might be starting to get a little bit more enthusiasm about it, but it's certainly been dropping off for a while. But you've had the chance to go and play overseas and, yeah. and see that. How does Australia compare? Yeah, I think, well, Japan's, um, you know, predominantly, uh, they're massive with baseball and they're quite into their soccer and things like that. But rug- with the Rugby World Cup there in 2019, it sort of, you know, brought a lot of attention to rugby in Japan. Um, but, yeah, I think rugby here in Australia, the thing that people sometimes don't realise, but we've got it's such a um, competitive market. You know, you've got the AFL, uh, the NRL, Big Bash when it's on, you know, the cricket, um, yeah, the NRL, rugby union. Like, there's just such a – which is great, you know, for um, us as people that are watching it and things, but – Sometimes the space um, to be on your TVs and things, uh, but uh, you know, I think the the reason why rugby's on the up now, I reckon, is just purely for, from results. Like you know, the Wallabies are going better, uh, the Tars are going better. So if you're winning, people just hop on the bandwagon and just get around it. So um, yeah, it's nice, and I think definitely playing at Leichhardt um, was an awesome atmosphere out there. They just turned up. It was you know eighteen thousand. Uh, packed in around Leichhardt, which is was just I've never had anything really like it. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. In terms of if you weren't playing professional rugby, what other sport would you want to play? Sport? Uh, I don't know whether it's just because I've been watching my mother do this um, at the Canal Radio just recently, but I yeah probably the, the camp drafting. Hey, I reckon it's unreal. Um, <laughs> Just bloody, yeah, I'd just travel through New South Wales and Queensland and across the top end and all that sort of stuff, just camp drafting, have my gooseneck and, um, yeah, just feed at the cogs and just chase chase camp drafts, <laughs> I reckon, that'd be the go. Maybe over in America too. Take, yeah, I'd get over yeah. there and, um, yeah, really get proper Yellowstone vibes then. <laughs> yeah, then you could be ripped for real. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tell me a little bit more about... Your hometown and the farm and, yeah, what that means to you. What's it like? Yeah. Um, what it means to me, I could go on forever. I suppose, look, I've just always been, um, you know, so fortunate that, you know, obviously got the opportunity to come down here when I was pretty young. Um, but I've always had those ties with the land and just enjoy going home. And I think, um, I don't know why in particular I just, it just revitalises me, I reckon, refreshes me. And, you know, there's a bit of a corner. We live about 50 k's out of town. There's one corner just before we get to our front gate. And there's something about going around the corner I just love. I just feel like um, anything that might be worrying you or, um, yeah, you just go around the corner and you just think, oh, I'm back in you know, God's country, the land of milk and honey. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know, I've just always loved it and I just um, love that. Um, that part, you know, that I can kind of carry with me, I suppose. Even Anywhere I go in the world, I just always know that Canamble's home and um, it's where I grew up. It's, you know, everyone just, well, not everyone, but I'm just so lucky that I just still love home and, and love visiting and seeing, you know, my folks and um, the Canamble community and things like that. No, it's just great. What's your earliest kind of happy memory, like back in and around farming in that area? <laughs> Um, I don't know I've got a few memories Of feeding potty calves 
um, or being on the back of a horse and mum like, well, I kind of sometimes I get not sure whether it's my memory or the home videos, you know, like I'm not, sometimes I'm, you know, recalling, you know, videos that I've seen, but uh, no, nah, look, I, I, I remember trips in on, on the bus, uh, it'd be an hour in and we always used to, you know, play silly buggers with, with Pat, the bus driver. Um, yeah, just things like that, just little things, I think. Um, a lot of the time I walked around here in Sydney, it's just small things that remind me of home a little bit and, um, yeah, no, a lot of good memories. You, you had to leave home behind to come to school down in the city. Was that, mm. were you dragging, dragging your heels coming down to Sydney or were you pretty excited? I was pretty excited. Um, you know, something new. I've always been a bit of a um, confident type of person. Like I just, nothing sort of phases me a great deal. Um, for better or for worse at times. But, uh, yeah, no, I was pretty excited to come down. I think, you know, it was something that, um, you know, my father did and his brothers did and I always, you know, like if I end up half the man my old man is, I've, you know, be poking along all right. So he's just always been the role model for me and I think to follow in his footsteps, I knew as a 12-year-old that that's like what I wanted to do, I guess. But being here and... Um, you know, I can remember about the end of the first week and, you know, there was no, like, running out the back door and jumping on a bike or on a horse or, you know, we used to run around um, porcelain bins and to the dismay of the old men and, you know, wreck, <laughs> just run around and make, you know, noises like thunder and a bit of stuff. Like, that stuff just uh, wasn't happening anymore. So I started to miss home a bit, but, um, yeah, like I sort of said before, I just always loved going home and it just always made me feel happy, so... Uh, the opportunity to be down here and uh, and try and, you know, make my parents proud and that sort of thing was um, always a pretty big focus from a young age. But, um, yeah, so I enjoyed I enjoyed boarding school. It was, it was a heap of fun. Have a bit of fun, but, uh, yeah, stay true to yeah, how your right. parents would want you to behave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I still got a few bloody... Yeah, well, I got reprimanded a bit in the younger years, that's for sure. Um, climbing up on beams across... You know, <laughs> sandstone building and things like that um, But yeah, no, hopefully I um, Yeah, learnt, learnt a bit of discipline anyway there Were you always like a fairly talented sportsman and, and did it start to become pretty obvious in those later years of school That yeah, you were, you were better than the average punter on the footy field? Um, not really, no I always enjoyed sport I just, just climbed into everything Um and my old man would always say, like, you know, he'd, I was lucky enough to um, go on the bus into school with my two younger brothers and then later on my younger sister. But um, he'd always say, stick up for one another and try your best. And I remember, you know, you'd just summer sport would be on or you'd be in the classroom or you'd be out in the back ovals and it was just all about trying your best. And I know it seems cliched, but sometimes that actually gets pretty hard and tedious, like, day to day, so... No, I just, yeah, I just tried, just had fun with my mates and um, climbed into footy. I think it was in about the 13 Ds or Cs in, uh, in year seven and uh, did a bit of an injury. Uh, so I missed about, I think I might have missed actually every comp game, uh, about eight weeks and a hyperextension. And then uh, year eight, I did an MCL, um, so I didn't play a comp game. Then the 15s, the first comp game. Uh, got injured, did a shoulder, didn't play the rest of the season. The first three years, I hardly played any footy. But I was doing heaps of other things, like athletics and swimming and uh, was tennis and a bit of rowing and 
yeah, so just climbed and everything. But I think later on, um, yeah, I hit puberty and got a bit bigger and, <laughs> um, yeah, lost all the puppy fat. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I got into the boat in year 11 um, and, yeah, year 12 did the same thing, I suppose. And, yeah, it was just all about just climbing into it and going hard, I guess. And, um, yeah, after school, I sort of all finished up you know, I went on a bit of a tour with the Australian schoolboys and stuff like that. So it was all just had a hell of a time. Um, and playing footy, like, it's something I love doing. So yeah, I just thought, how good is this? Uh, but then it was always, I was just going to go home. Um, and, yeah, the, the under-20s at the Tars was sort of, it was a bit of a pathway and wasn't sure whether I was going to do it. My old man was like, if you don't do it, um, you know, you'll regret it later on and just might as, might as well go down there and... Give it a nudge and yeah, here we are. I suppose I'm still here. Um, yeah, yeah. We had a bit of a stint overseas, but yeah, so still giving it a bit of a nudge. But that's kind of how it all came about. I suppose I didn't really um, have these big aspirations or certainty. It's what I wanted to do. It was just all about um, yeah, just giving it you know your best shot. I guess. And in terms of like the the interest in ag and and farming, like you said there. That was kind of the plan, just to go home. Like, have you have you had different crossroads at times where you think, "Oh, far out! I'm just gonna yeah. throw the towel and I'm I'm going home." Yeah, I've never thought, um, probably never thought of throwing the towel in, but I've I've thought of, you know, kind of just saying, "Oh, it's enough." The hardest time I reckon for me was, I was a bit dry at home at times, and you'd you know you'd be talking to your old man and. We always talk about the rain, like it's just something. You, I don't know. You nearly never talk about the weather down here, or Do recently. Recently, yeah. Here? But as yeah. soon as you'd go across <laughs> the mountains, like, geez, today's a cracking day. When are the rains coming? And just a bit like that. So, but I think um, you know, and as I think people sort of understand, it's can be a bit dire in times of drought. And if I'm, you know, talking to family or talking to friends from about the district, you can kind of just sense that. It's just not that good and um, unfortunate that it has different impacts on people. But So that was definitely hard because I was down here kind of sheltered from that. Um, mm. And, yeah, like I think you you kind of – well, I was definitely looking at Dad and people in the area that are just slogging away and I'm here, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm in South Africa sometimes or, you you know, you get to play in front of, I don't know, 30,000 and it's, it, it doesn't quite feel like – Reality, what, what you know, it's just a bit different. Mm. So that, that part I really struggled with. And then uh, my old man went through a bit of a um, phase of mental health, which, like, rocked him a, like a fair bit. So, again, you're kind of down here. You know, I know mum's at home, um, worried about him a little bit. And so that part was pretty hard because, again, you kind of – you're removed from it a little bit and you want to want to help but you feel a bit helpless. So, mm. yeah, there's been, been lots of times. And then, obviously, with – professional sport there's the scrutiny and um times when teams aren't going so well so you ride the ride the highs ride the lows and i think the rock bottom you like you say you kind of think well i just want to go home because that's like my happy place um but yeah so not necessarily throwing the towel in but you kind of feel as though sometimes you should be there rather than here but i think um talking about that stuff and i'm pretty open with it you get um people that are close to you sort of um, help you along the way. Did you get many of your mates like asking questions that period of particularly eighteen, but into twenty nineteen when 
drought was on front page. Canamble was hit extremely hard, like yeah. a lot of New South Wales. Do was it part of the conversation down here, or, or not so much? Yeah, it is. I think, like, like I sort of, sort of mentioned it. People understand it a little bit because um, you know through media channels, but um, so they're they'll ask you questions. But the real crux of it is is the people and how they're going. And I think that that sort of vo- doesn't get voiced as much. Um, and I think you know, there's obviously a lot of people that are trying to make that better and give, you know, um, frameworks around, you know, to help those people in, you know, that might be struggling. But I think that's, that's <coughs> it's, it's interesting. I had someone say to me the other day, um, well, not the other day, it might have been a couple of years ago, but, um, uh, you know, was stressed out about something and, and I thought, oh, you know, that's, you know, that would be hard or whatever. But then I remember thinking about, like blokes that are sowing, you know, four million dollars worth of wheat, and then you just see it rot into the like into the yeah. earth, like that stress. You know, I think sometimes you're on the footy field and the you know heat of the battle, and things get a bit hard. But um, like that kind of stuff helps me a little bit because you think, well, like is it that bad? What's going on here at the moment in comparison to other things? So yeah, the perspective I think you can get from from home and um, the people there is, yeah, it's helped me along the way anyway. I sort of went away from your question there. No, yeah. politician. Just, yeah, just, wa- just waffling. No, <laughs> like, and I reckon it's, it's in perspective such an important piece and, and I reckon that's going to flow nicely to this piece because so the drought at home was tough and you were going through, I'll say, you, you were missing out on the teams you'd played the Wallabies in 2018, you then missed out in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Things aren't like going well at home in terms of the drought, mental health, et cetera, the community's really um, struggling. Like how – does that – did that play on your mind? Like what was happening there in, yeah. in 2019 for you? Yeah, I think that like that period um, – I did a fair bit of reflecting on it, I guess. I, I think uh, I was in camp uh, before they went to South Africa uh, and they cut the squad and the coach at the time, Michael Checker, said, look, we're not going to take you but we want you to stay fit. Um, so I hung on to that I was like Yeah you know Who needs me to stay fit But um, I think that was probably uh, In hindsight um, The news That kind of meant Well You know You sort of lean towards Not being back in the group uh, I went back and played For Randwick And Yeah Got knocked clean out Broke my nose in five places And that sort of Any, any dream of Trying to come back Was sort of squashed as well But um, Yeah I suppose On reflection I um, learnt that you can't get complacent in you know in a situation, particularly in professional sport, because there's always move. There's so many moving parts in a dynamic environment like it is, and yeah, um, so that's probably what I took from it. Just always try your best and make sure that you're keeping accountable for for things on and off the field. And uh, I probably got a bit complacent around uh, certain things that were going on, and um, but yeah, like you said, the perspective of things helped as well because you've got to try and keep a bit optimistic and you know when you're getting dropped like no one likes getting dropped it's yeah. you know, you're getting told that you're not good enough so um yeah i think perspective and and making sure that um you know things outside of footy are sort of um poking along all right as well Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank and i'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market 
Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported? Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low-cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Like, I don't know, every kid has this dream of being a professional athlete. Like, you guys are on a pedestal in terms of how you're seen in society, but mm. you're also so heavily scrutinised. Like, you jaywalk at the lights and you might be in strife. You're out <laughs> drinking like you're in, in strife, but then off the back of that too, like, if, if your own form as well is kind of falling, like, it can get to a pretty ugly yeah. place, I reckon. Yeah, no, it definitely can. I think... Uh, social media has probably been the big one in recent times. Um, but, yeah, it's, it is an interesting one because I think uh, as you get a bit older, and I'm by no stretch the imagination <laughs> a veteran, but you kind of uh, not get used to it but don't um, worry as much about people's opinions on mm. things. But that learning or that understanding um, only comes through you know, probably having a few dark times yourself and uh, how that affects your game. And, I, like, I feel so sorry for young people or for young professional athletes in particular uh, because they can get thrown in to things maybe underdone or early or whatever and get scrutinised. And, and coming from an environment where, from school usually or from a 20s program, where they're dominating and doing really well, that so you you're playing bad and, like, we're our own worst critic. Like, we, yep. you know, we're so critical in our performances. The coaches are critical in our performances. But if you have outsiders always prodding and, and sending abuse and things like that, it, it does. It has, like, detrimental effects. And I think young people, young athletes now, um, they need to, like, be comfortable with talking to blokes that potentially have gone through that a little bit and understand that, you know... It doesn't doesn't matter. Like you don't, you're you know you're playing football and or you're playing cricket or whatever you're doing, but it, they're not. They're just targeting. Like that's not you as the person. Like you're mm. you're a totally separate person away from the game, and because you might be having a bad game doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't matter, you know how much crap you might cop in the media or all that type of stuff. It's just so important to understand. But that's hard to. To truly believe, you know, yeah. it's like saying, um, "Oh, you should only worry about what you can control." It's like, yeah, like I understand that, but it's also a situation that sucks. Yeah. So, being able to deal with it and and having a close circle of people that you, you know, or individuals or coaches or that you trust and value their opinion, and uh, they'll be, you know, be telling you the absolute truth the whole time, be up upright, honest, and all that type of stuff. So. Yeah, there's lots of different things around that space where I think um, programs can get better at, but also just older blokes talking to younger blokes and, yeah, kind of putting an arm around or or something of the likes. Yeah. It's, in, it's interesting, mate, because it's, it's something I think uh, is, yeah, it's changing, it's changing a little bit. Like, I know blokes that have, 
uh, finished early. You know, they've just gone, no, nah, I've had enough of this. Like, I don't, I don't need to lie down in bed and think that Joe Bloggs doesn't know anything about the game or how to play it, but he thinks I suck. Like, that just builds up, builds up, and he's like, I'm just better off not playing. Yeah. So you think, well, that's – like, it shouldn't be like that. Um, mm. But, yeah. It's funny, like, coming back to, I think, just voicing it and talking about it. Like, it, it's amazing even after, say, like, a pod – the podcast like over recent weeks talking about different things whether it's been like a blip in confidence and like i i went through one i've talked about that a few times like last year um anna spear who was on the podcast she talked about it in her career and kind of how it affected her but like it was amazing sitting across from her and i was like oh well like she's she's been through it and look where she is and then yeah you get messages from people and they're like oh i've gone through that and it was just awesome to like hear it yeah. i think so much of what I feel is changing in terms of how we talk and communicate and yep. carry ourselves like this 100%. vulnerability piece nearly coming in, but just being real, hey? Like, yeah, just be real, 100%. Just be legit. Yeah. Um, but it's hard. Like, it can be hard at times. Mm. Mm. And throwing yourself out there is like a such an interesting and scary, like, aspect. Well, yeah, it kind of goes back to that, um, you know, you want people to like you or you want to be perceived as something. So being vulnerable or, or opening yourself up, you're, you're, you're letting people have the chance to maybe fire shots, mm. um, which actually is way stronger than the other. Um, but truly believing that's a whole different thing. Like you hear people say that and you can – people feel comfortable in saying that or, you know, they'll be like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Or they, they, but it's the belief and the actual feeling of being able to do that. Um, is a whole different ball game, I reckon. Yeah. It's one thing I like constantly kind of come up against, I guess, when I'm chatting to people and trying to get them to share their story and chat about who they are and what they do and why they do it. Like, yeah. So often, and particularly young people, they're like, oh, either I don't have a story or like I don't feel comfortable because of yeah. the negativity that will come from it. Like you've sat in on both sides of the fence. You, you come from an ag background, but you have faced your fair... Scrutiny and yeah. and kind of commentary over the years. Like, yeah. what's your advice to people when it comes to Oof. talking about what they, yeah, you know, who they are and, and what they do, particularly like in a crucial industry like ag. Mm. Now, I think to get people to really resonate with or believe you or follow you, you need to be real with them. Um, and you know, agriculture, but also any industry having. Having the the strength to just um, say something, whether it's you know, um, like you say, it might might offend someone or might be taken the you know, but 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 just being real. Um, I don't think anyone in the long run can really be off you if you're just being who you are and be proud of who you are because mm. you know, and you hear this all the time as well. Like we're all unique, and it's a bit cliche, but. Um, yeah, and if some people you rub some people the wrong way, that's fine. Like you don't have to. No one has to like everyone, and you know you don't have to be liked by everyone. Um, and having an understanding of that and being strong and um, you know kind of brave enough to just cop that and just just head where you're going to go. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to do. Like I, I feel, you know, like you you're saying it, but it's you know I still find it hard to do. Like I feel like I'm a pretty loud sort of character, but. Um, you know, sometimes it's you kind of think, oh, you know, should be pulling back, or yeah, exactly. So wear the hat and something. Yeah, out. yeah pull it <laughs> out. 
Yeah, corner of a pub and just sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon so, the best advice yeah. someone ever said to me was um, when it came to like throwing yourself out there, like, well, if you wouldn't take advice from them, don't take criticism. And yeah. I was like, geez, that's good. It is good. But again, still hard. It's still oh, yeah. hard. You've got to be going action. You're still there, hearing mate. it. And yeah. Um, but no, you're right. And I think you just get better at hearing it and ignoring it and backing the people that have been in your corner for a while. Um, yeah. 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 How's um, the footy system? Like, I heard someone talk a few years ago around, like, they'd been, they were with the Brumbies and they were talking about how the preseason had changed. It had been from going, like, we've got to be the fittest team, blah, 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 to just being, like, yes, we need to be fit, but we also need to be connected. And I should know, if we're packing down in a scrum, I should know a bit more about Tom or Michael next to me, like, more than just that's yeah. Michael from footy. Has has the the cultures, like... Over the the years changed in terms of how you guys what it's I, like I, in the environment. I don't I don't know whether um, cultures have changed. I think how um, a culture's sort of bred and facilitated is different primarily from a head coach, like how they kind of do it a little bit and the senior players. So it's interesting you say that because uh, I think because the thirty rumbies, thirty rumbies are shit, <laughs> not at all. They've, they've actually been really real strong for the, the last sort of yeah, definitely ten years. Um, but yeah, your thirty years ago when you were you know in professional sort of um, realms of sport, I think fitness was a huge a huge thing. If you were the fittest and the strongest and the fastest or or whatever. Uh, quite often you'd, you'd do well. And you still do that now, but the the playing field's kind of levelled out a lot because S&Cs are all, you know, elite with their knowledge on how they're, you know, individualising programs, nutritionists are on board, um, head coaches, you know, well, particularly in rugby, a lot of the time play similar shapes or similar um, tactic type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a lot of similarities between team to team. There's a lot of differences, but you can kind of understand. Like I've been with the Tars and I watch, say, the Blues and Crusaders are in the final uh, this weekend. You can look at those teams and I could kind of tell you what they're trying to do in terms of shape. So um, the real piece is the connection. Like how hard will you go for the bloke that's next to you? And that's how you were talking about with the guy in the scrum. Um, if you genuinely feel like a brotherly bond with him, you'll like fear letting him down. And there's a there's something very powerful about that if you've got fifteen blokes like that. And I think a really well it, the the way to do that is is see someone in a vulnerable position or um, work hard with them. So a preseason you're getting flogged, but you know that he's getting flogged with you. Yeah. So there's something. It's like an you don't talk because you can't, but there's like this <laughs> this feeling of when you're running and it's um, – I hear blokes that have retired and they still talk about that, like you're getting off the ground with another bloke and you don't have to say, come on, bro, like, let's go. It's just – you're just there doing it together and then on the field you kind of back that that bloke's – you've seen him, you've worked hard with him. But then also the, the um, opportunity to – to put someone in a chair and and get them to talk about their story or or 
tell you something that you might not know about them that that puts them in a bit of a vulnerable position. You can't help but feel closer. Um, you know, like if you someone is ever telling you something that's pretty heavy, you just feel like giving them a hug. Like it's just that emotional connection. And I think that's that's what like successful teams um, around the world are doing now, I reckon. Like they're just so connected on a on an emotional level that they'll just do anything for the bloke next to them. Yeah, well. Mm. What's um when you've played in different I know we're focusing so much on footy, but it's, it's I just find it fascinating, particularly from the mindset point of view. Like yeah. Japan, so like playing in Asian countries versus like Australia, is it is it so different? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. From the um, food to Yeah, food, culture, people, language. Um no, there's a lot different over there. But I think that's you, you learn so much from different things. Um, I definitely learnt uh, that, you know, kind of touches on that winning-losing thing. Like, I'll always be a, a competitor and just want to win, you know. Like, um, like, I hate losing. But but if you do lose, you're not a bad person. So over there, I was playing for a team that uh, wasn't 100% professional. We were playing teams that were 100% professional. So they were all company workers, engineers or sales or whatever. They would come in, pretty similar to Shoot Shield here in Sydney, really, like a club yeah. type of setup. Uh, and then there was a group of professional, um, yeah, foreigners, I suppose, that would train during the day and then we would come together of an afternoon with the workers. So so they are playing, the, like their, the Japanese culture in the most part is they just work so hard and tirelessly and it's like that, that real... Um, uh, like face, you know, if you're seen working hard, then you're a good person. So they just all just sit on computers or sit there working with clients for hours on end, and then they've got to come and play footy. I'd be staff. Um, but they they just love love playing footy. Otherwise, they would never do it. So they just love the beer at an end of a game. Yeah. Um, win, lose, or draw. Like lose by thirty or forty, and I think. You know, I, I still hate that, but a part of me has realised that, you know, that that can happen. So you do everything you possibly can and try your best to make sure that doesn't happen again. And it still might happen again. So there's no point like, you know, I talk about the highs and lows with sport. Like there's no point of being rock bottom and then just still trying to stamp yourself in the ground. Like... um the beauty of sport, you've got, like, next week to get better. So, yeah, yeah. pull the socks up and tie the drawstring and get into it again, <laughs> I suppose. is. And I, I definitely learnt that over there because we, you know, might go two or three weeks losing a game and the last one might be, I think we lost to Shockey about 72-10 or something. Jesus. Which is a flogging, you know. But they got on the bus and it was a bit quiet for a bit and, and they have a beer and about half hour in the bus trip, it's like... They kind of they, they care, but they kind of just leave it back at the park. And I think that there's there's something something pretty special about that because mm. that's it's hard it's hard to do that. Yeah, it's real hard to do. Yeah, no, and hey, you just keep opening up Pandora boxes here because it's such an interesting <laughs> thing. Like I've talked about it with um, a couple of people who I've worked with over the years have been semi-professional or professional athletes and we always talk about this 
ag piece and like being like and and to your point before really like i'd say ben crow and his work with ash barty and the yep. tigers dylan Alcott, like separating who you are from what you do and mm. i was only chatting to someone about this this morning and i love it um yeah yeah but like in ag i th- feel like there's such an opportunity for us to really like for farmers to take this mindset that you're talking about there from say the japanese perspective but really separate who you are and what you do and it's like be high performers in this field but then kind of get away from it as well because otherwise mm. like so important to have balance mm. you you just need to have balance in life because if you don't and one part of your life is um not where you perceived it should be or can be or or it once was somewhere and now it's not it you need something else otherwise your um esteem and value and things like that also go down it shouldn't be like that like that's not what it should be like yeah so yeah like you if a crop fails a farmer might be you know just distraught and but you're not necessarily a bad person like you you might i don't know if you've got family or just other things in life and making sure that and that that's hard like it's the juggler life right like you yeah. try and try and get a balance in it but um yeah it's so important yeah bring it back to like what you can control what you can't yeah and like i don't know it's the nature of farming isn't it where it's like it is got, a bit, the weather yeah, the weather more things yeah. out of your control than yeah. it so no that's right <laughs> what would you say has been like your you look looking back on your career so far there's still a few years to go but what's Hopefully. been <laughs> Unless you decide to yeah. Yeah. chase the camp drafting yeah, dream. He says, right, oh, no, mate, you've had enough. You're washed up. <laughs> yeah. That interview you gave the other day, mate, you, you better pack your bags. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> yeah. No good. <laughs> what do you look back as being like some a highlight or some of the highlights of being a professional footy player? Um, I think I've always treasured having people on the sideline supporting you. And I think... Uh, the one that comes to mind straight away. I was in Japan playing, uh, it was a Waratahs game against the Sunwolves at Chichibu Stadium there in Tokyo. And uh, I was having a vanilla milkshake walking out of Starbucks. <laughs> I was heading into the hotel and was uh, with another team member. And I remember all sort of sense like a car pull up behind me. Like we're walking into the foyer and you know, often they've got a bit of a track around you know, I sensed it and sort of got out of the way a bit quicker and the door swung open and I just remember hearing this, Oi! And I was like, what the hell is that coming from, you know? Swung around and my old man and my brother stepped out of the car and I just remember feeling um, just a sense of, I don't know, I don't know what it was. It was just felt so special. Um, so that's that's definitely a highlight and it's I think, you know, there's been times on the footy field you um, you celebrate wins and things, but I, I just think, um, yeah, the, those type of things and the smaller things that you get to experience as a professional athlete is, yeah, is something that I'll probably treasure and, and miss when it's all when it's all finished. Um, but yeah, I, I, the other one, like it's obviously a, a dream, is to um, play for the you know the Wallabies and on the gold jersey and being able to do that against Fiji um yeah was was pretty special as well it was a bit surreal everyone always says it but it genuinely is the whole week's just full tilt and then the game's like this is nuts yeah (laughs) so so, uh yeah that part was pretty special too 
was it like a different level going from playing like, yeah, say Waratahs and that level to then going Test rugby? Is it yeah. is it much different? Yeah, I think the yeah just short answer yes. Like it is just a whole different level. Um, the pace and things, but I think the biggest difference is if you make a mistake um, at the elite level, you'll more often than not be under your posts and the other teams kicking for a conversion. Like you. You don't get the opportunity because um, everything's happening a fair bit quicker and that opposition are usually a bit handy with their skills and they're quicker and bigger. And you knock a ball on and you don't make that first up tackle, uh, they are gone. Yeah. So the room for errors, that's why when, particularly test matches, when it's 78th minute and it's like neck and neck, like it's, 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 it's full on. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like those those are the sort of situations I was saying. You know, there's a bit of pressure there, but um, if you just somehow try and get a bit of perspective of a time there and think, well, hang on, like I'm, I can still catch a ball and I can still jump in a line out. It's just the 78th minute. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's a bit hard. To, <laughs> a bit yeah, hard yeah. to do that. Yeah. Just find that breath. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. So what what does life after footy lo- look like for you? Oh. Farming. Yeah, I've been doing some ceiling work of this lately. Just lie down in bed and look at the ceiling and <laughs> just try and ponder, just ponder. Um, nah, look, I, I, uh, I, I'm not, I, I've never been a boat to shut doors. I'm, uh, I kind of, I, I know what I want to do. No, I know what I don't want to do. Yep. You know, I'm not going to be someone who's sitting um, on a computer hours, hours on end or, um, yeah, I, I, I need to be talking to people and seeing people. Um, yeah, or I, I would, like I said, you know, Holmes always had a special part. Uh, I spent a bit of time there in between Japanese seasons. Uh, did a bit of a trip up north and then spent, yeah, about three months or four months at home and just loved it. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know where I'll end up. I might finish a career in France and... Stand up over there. I don't know. But, there you go. Um, Living on the beach somewhere. <laughs> yeah, bottom of Nice, or yeah, must be nice. Uh, just disappear. <laughs> no, look, I yeah, um, yeah. Home's always well. It's home, but uh, I just I don't know. I I don't really know, which is why I've been doing some ceiling work because I feel like you should know, but you don't have to know. Nah, you know what's you've, got, you've got heaps of time, which is right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm telling myself anyway. <laughs> yeah. There's always options. Uh, right, eh. Few quick questions here. One from a previous guest, heavy one too. <laughs> what does a good life good life look like to you? Yeah, um, a good life. Mm. Yeah, which well, is happy. So whatever makes you happy, um, healthy, and the people you love healthy, which is not always um, the case. But yeah, I think if I'm fortunate enough to have kids. Um, and have a family, I think it would just be that 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 side of it, having them protected and and be healthy would, I think that'd be that'd be a good life. Um, don't really have a location or a job or um, anything like that. But um, oh, I'm about seventh year into a science degree, so a good life would have me finished that. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think just a happy, healthy one and. Yeah, I don't. I wish I could go in a bit more depth there, but um, whatever that looks like. 
In terms of a question that you'd like me to ask a future guest, a chance to get back at someone one day. Yeah. What's the question you'd like me to ask him? <laughs> um, well, I'm glad you you uh, give me a little short walk before this. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be sitting here pondering. Um, Five. I'll say later. <laughs> uh, maybe to someone in the the agricultural sort of um, realm of things, but uh, if you could change a perspective in agriculture to the general population, um, yeah, what would it be? Um, that might get them thinking a bit. Mm. And <laughs> you get the chance to go back to Joey's. It was Joey's, wasn't it? Yeah. There you yeah. go. Go back to Joey's and chat to the Year 10 students um, around a career in agriculture. Why should they think of agriculture as a potential career path? Um, well, I reckon I always... It's, Different for some people and, and how they they see satisfaction in what they do. But I think um, for for what I for what I do with sport, like you you work on something and you try and sharpen your tools so you can perform on a weekend. Having the ability to do that and then see yourself do it on a weekend, um, it, you feel satisfied. Like you feel like you've achieved something. And I think in agriculture, if you're if you're on the hunt to um, you know, have that feeling and and you know produce something that you're proud of. Agri- there's just so many avenues you can go down in agriculture to do that. And I think um, being satisfied at the end of a day with what you've done during the day or weeks before or years before, you know, I only have to talk to my uncles and my old man or neighbours or whatever of, of um, how you know land's been developed over you know, the last 50 years and what it looked like before to what it looks like now and the regeneration of grasses and trees and things and the you just think the tireless or the amount of hours and just the effort that's been put into to make a fence just look dead straight and standing up just and all that. Yeah, yeah, like that. It, it is. You just get such a satisfaction from it. I haven't done a lot of fencing, but I know when you look somewhere and there's no fence and then after six hours of belt nine posting and running a few wires as a fence, <laughs> you get a feeling like I've I've built that, I've done that. And I think, um, yeah, agriculture in so many different facets, can you can achieve that with it. Mm-hmm. Love that. Have you got – I don't have any questions for you. Have you got any questions you want to ask me? Oh, no. I, can, I can hit stop oh, recording Jesus. here. Jesus. <laughs> Nah, not really. Oh, that's nah, good. That's <laughs> 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 it's all full of that. Oh yeah, I've been full of words most of this, but no, nah, I don't have any questions. Um, no, nah, just thanks very much for having me. It's, it was good to yarn. Nah, Ned, it's been good. I think we were bouncing around on messages there for a while. You're in Japan, or you're in Canamble, then you're in Japan, and then you were back, and then yeah, yeah. Canamble and yeah. Sydney. We locked you down. So yeah, thanks for coming for a chat. Nah, unreal, bloody real good. There you go, football star country man and uh since we recorded this podcast ned's actually headed back up he's been recalled to the wallabies squad and he's up there on the gold coast training away hard we've got our fingers crossed that ned's gonna get the call up if you enjoyed this episode please rate review it and share it amongst your friends we'd love to see more people discovering the humans of agriculture podcast and uh hearing some of these incredible stories from people from all walks of life Look after yourselves, stay safe, stay sane, and we can't wait to join you again next Wednesday.